People say the Premier League is impossible to predict, but this podcast is here to help. We're working with InfoGold to take a look at the numbers for each and every one of the Premier League fixtures this season. If you're looking to find value in the markets, data can be the key. Welcome to Premier League Insights. So we're now into game week four of the 2019-20 Premier League season and joining me again today is Jake Oscarthorpe from InfoGoal. How's it going, Jake? Yeah, all good, Ben. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, very well. Um, looking forward to another another week of Premier League insights so we can, we can get straight into it. Our first match this week is Southampton versus Manchester United and we, we said last week that Southampton would do a good result. They'd kind of put in... Um, two decent performances against Burnley and Liverpool and they didn't really come away with anything but they maybe got a bit fortunate this week obviously playing against 10 men for over an hour which which would have helped them against Brighton and their opponents Manchester United I don't I don't really know where to start with them from from last weekend they they had those two good performances against Chelsea and Wolves and they were given over a 70% chance of beating Palace many would have been expecting a convincing win and Plenty of drama, another missed penalty, two very late goals, and they they somehow came away with a, a two two one defeat. Now, United should have probably won that game. They're going into a game this week again where many would be expecting them to win. So, do you think there's any value in it? What could potentially be another difficult fixture for Solskjaer's side? Uh, not at all. No, um, we currently have Man United around a forty three percent chance of beating Southampton, and uh, think. I think the market's around 46%, so there's no value there at all. Uh, like you said, it's a really, really tough game for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's side. Southampton, although they did play against 10 men, they did create enough chances to deservedly win the game. Um, and like you said, the previous week against Liverpool, they were very unfortunate, and against Burnley, so that was sort of coming. Ralph Hasenhutl's side are creating really good chances on a regular basis, averaging 1.91 expected goals uh, four per game so far this season, and it's three games and small sample size but uh, they are very potent attacking threat and with the high press that he has implemented and the pacing that, that they've got and Nathan Redmond and Jay Adams they will likely hassle and harry Manchester United's defenders uh, and pick the pockets and potentially expose them for what is still a, a very poor defence. What a shock that was for United last week. Who saw that one coming? I, I personally didn't based on uh, what both sides uh, were doing the previous weeks. But they were very unfortunate to lose that game according to expected goals. Palace were extremely clinical with their chances. Um, I did mention that the counter-attacking threat from Palace could be uh, an interesting angle. I never saw that they'd go there and win. Like I said, they created good chances, Crystal Palace, but Manchester United still created enough chances to win the game. Obviously, the missed penalty is the huge talking point yet again. Uh, may also be interesting that three games they've had three penalties. So it could be an angle if you want to look at back in a penalty. Um, but yeah, they still look extremely vulnerable defensively, Manchester United, and definitely a, a team to be wary of still. I don't think we've really got a clear picture of what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's Manchester United um, are just yet. Uh, the Infocore model is going for both teams to score in this game. We're calculating around a 63% chance of both teams scoring compared to about 57% on the market. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see that that betting on a penalty or the market for that I'd also like to see maybe a line on Manchester United's next penalty taker because they're really struggling aren't they <laughs> yeah they can't make it up between them can they 
So then we've got uh, Chelsea versus Sheffield United, and, and Chelsea obviously got their first win of the season, and they seem to. The scoreline suggested that they made hard work of it, but the underlo- underlying numbers did sort of say that it was, it was probably more than deserved, and the attacking output won't really be a concern for Frank Lampard. It's the the team's performances at the end, other end of the pitch that have really got to be worrying. They've they've given up over four xg in in their first three games, and that's. That's clearly not the form of a top four contender, and they've got they've got an opponent in Sheffield United who had they had a really great start to the season, and we said last week that that Leicester would be their first real test, and they might have lost, but they did actually limit Leicester to just 0.71 xg, which is obviously no mean feat, and it's you could really put this one down to a, a tale of two defences with the, the struggles at Chelsea and the apparent good defensive process at Sheffield United. So I'll be interested to know that, that where does InfoGoal think the value is here? Yeah, the, the, again, like the Manchester United game, there's there's no value in backing uh, Chelsea this week. Uh, InfoGoal calculates to 64% chance of a Chelsea win compared to 72% uh, from the bookmakers. So there's no value there at all. They are uh, way too short. Um, and it's similar to United again in the sense that we're not quite sure how Frank Lampard's Chelsea team looks. It's been such a um, a small... There's such a small sample size to look from. Um, we're not quite sure just yet how they're um, how they'll perform in the next five six games. So a little bit wary of them. Like you said, they were deserved winners against Norwich. Um, they were, the scoreline was actually harsh on them. They should have won probably a little bit more um, with a little bit more breathing room. Uh, they created good chances. Obviously, Tammy Abraham getting a couple of goals will be will do him the, the the world of good uh, in terms of confidence. Um, but yeah, the defensive issues still remain. But one thing I will say is that although Sheffield United have been fairly solid so far in defence, uh, the game against Leicester was a bit of a worry going for uh, going forward. They really struggled to create good chances. Um, <clears throat> obviously, Leicester are of the, the calibre of uh, or close to the calibre of the Chelsea team, so it could be something similar here where Sheffield United are basically not camped, but they're, they're playing a much more defensive-minded style of play, um, which could lead to a few goals in this one, and that's where Infogol's looking. We're going both teams to score no in this one. Uh, we calculate around a 55% chance of that happening, which I think is about right. Yeah, as you said, quite interesting to see Chelsea so heavily favoured at a 72% chance of winning. Also, they're, they're 1 and 1.5 on the handicap, and obviously betters seem to be expecting goals as well with an over-under at 2.5 and 3, and the over is currently seeing the most action. So Crystal Palace versus Aston Villa is up next. And as we've already said, Palace would have been thrilled to to come away with a win against Manchester United. And I guess you have to wonder if that potentially has just papered over some cracks because they were very poor in the first two games. And they were obviously a little bit fortunate to get anything out of the game at Old Trafford, let alone the three points. And there could probably be a lot of similarities between Palace and, and Aston Villa. They don't Villa didn't look great in the first two games and they, they got a win against Everton but they did they still gave up some high quality chances that had those chances been put away. I mean, I think the Walcott one springs to mind. It it could have been a completely different story. So do you think it's we're going to see any vast improvements for either of these two sides? Is there is there any value here? Um, it's a difficult one to call this. Um, like you said, the two teams are, you could say, fairly similar. They both had similar starts to the season. They've They've really struggled to create chances on a consistent basis and they've both looked quite vulnerable defensively. So uh, it'll be definitely be an interesting uh, watch. The Infocom model is actually siding with Palace on this one and thinks there's, there's good value in um, in backing them to get the win here. 51% chance for giving Palace. 
Um, and yeah, that, that's purely based on um, obviously numbers from the last few seasons. And obviously they've started slow, Palace, but we expect them to get closer to the, the sort of underlying numbers that they managed last season, which had them about 10th or 11th in the Premier League. So uh, based on that, we're siding with them to win. And like I've said already, the fact that, uh, that Aston Villa are, um, have been very, very poor defensively. Very fortunate to beat Everton, um, 0.81 to 1.56 expected goals. Again, conceding plenty of good chances. Uh, they conceded an average of 2.08 expected goals uh, against per game, which is um, which is very high. And the attacking talent that Palace have got at their disposal, Wilfred Zahar, is now backing the team on a regular basis. Andres Townsend, Ben Teke, um, the informal is expecting them to be able to cause Villa plenty of problems. So, uh, yeah, we're siding with a, a Crystal Palace win on this one. Yeah, and I think that, that home field advantage could be, could be crucial in one that looks like a as you said, a, a close match between two fairly similar sides. So Leicester versus Bournemouth is our next fixture and, and Leicester started the season with two very difficult fixtures in, in Wolves and Chelsea and they would have been happy to come away from those two games with two points. They they would have expected a, a, a win against Sheffield United, obviously, but I'm not too sure they'll be happy with the performance in terms of their, their attacking output and their... They'll be playing Bournemouth, who are a side coming off the back of what many teams would have had down as a write-off anyway against Manchester City. And I guess, worryingly, defensively, they, they gave up 3.2 xG. But on the flip side of that, they actually managed to put up two expected goals of their own. So will we finally see a performance from Leicester that backs up those t- top six claims, do you think? Um, it, it is possible, yes, um, that the Infocom model is suggesting that there's value in backing Bournemouth or the draw in this one. Um, like you've said already, Leicester have had two tricky fixtures before the, the Sheffield United game, uh, but the, the process has been quite poor, really. Um, I'd say goes close to saying disappointing. You know, they've averaged 0.87 expected goals for and 0.93 expected goals against per game, which is which is quite yeah, it's quite poor uh, from Brendan Rodgers' side, given the amount of attacking talent that they have at their disposal. You'd have thought they'd have generated more against Sheffield United in the last game, and you know they relied on a Harvey Barnes stunner to um, to get the three points. So that you know we're not 100% sure we're getting from Leicester week in week out. But the minute it looks like uh, tight games with few goals and few expected goals, so very few chances in the game. Bournemouth, on the other hand, you know exactly what you're getting, and that is chances at both ends. They are one of the best attacking teams in the league going forward. Um, defensively, they are one of the worst defensive teams in the league. So, yeah, this is going to be, I'd imagine this is going to be a much more entertaining game than, than the previous Leicester games that we've that we've seen. Um, but yeah, Bournemouth are strong attack and the counter-attacking capabilities like we saw against Aston Villa in, in their second game where they just sit back and uh, and use the pace of Josh King, Callum Wilson, uh, Harry Wilson. Uh, I'd imagine Leicester are going to have a lot of the ball in this game. So it wouldn't be a surprise to see Bournemouth play on the counter-attack and be able to cause Leicester plenty of problems. So, yeah, the Infocom model is going with the, a Bournemouth or the draw, around a 47% chance of that happening, which uh, represents value. Yeah, and the market seems to be backing up those claims of what could potentially be in a, an entertaining game with the, the over-under set, 2.5 and 3, and again, the, it's the over that's seeing the action on this one. Right, so on to Manchester City versus Brighton, and a... There's not going to be many teams that travel to the Etihad this season and expect to get anything out of the game. We saw a, a very impressive performance from, from Pep Guardiola's side against Tottenham, despite them obviously only getting a, a 2-2 draw. 
but if they can perform at that level, it's it's difficult to see anyone causing them any any trouble whatsoever. And then again, we kind of got to acknowledge that we have just mentioned the fact that that Bournemouth managed to to create two two expected goals against them in their match at the weekend. So potentially, maybe there's little bits of hope for the other teams. You said I remember at the one of the early podcasts we did that that Graham Potter was going to shake things up at Brighton and got to be honest, they do look like a new team after the first couple of games. The red cards obviously had a major impact on their, their game against Southampton. But, I mean, they, they don't look like a nailed-on relegation contender that everyone had them down as. So, I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb here and think the InfoGoal model has this down as a Man City win. But is there any value in the market elsewhere? Yeah, I think I think everyone's got this down as a Man City win. I mean, the price of Brighton this weekend is around 30, 35 to 1, which is... Which is something that I don't think we've ever seen before. Um, so yeah, that it is a very one-sided game. Um, uh, and Info completely agrees. Eighty-five percent chance of Man City win. Um, like you said already, it's just seems like there's no stopping City, especially in attack. Uh, averaging, oh, they've, sorry, they've generated more than three expected goals in their three Premier League matches so far. So, you know, if you're creating more than three expected goals a game, you are likely to win every single game. You mentioned potential. Uh, a few gaps in the in the armour uh, against Bournemouth, two expected goals conceded. Seems as though they probably took the foot off the gas a little bit. Obviously, the game against Tottenham is a much better indicator of how impressive they can be. But yeah, can't really see anything but a City win. Graham Potter was a little bit unlucky last week. Like you said, the red card definitely um, stopped Brighton in the tracks. And before that red card, Brighton actually uh, were on top of the game in terms of expected goals. So. It definitely did change the momentum of the match, uh, and Southampton did obviously playing against ten men is a lot um, a lot simpler, especially against the pot you know, Graham Potter team that liked to play expansive football. That won't have stopped even when they weren't under ten men. Uh, yeah, it's hard to make a case for Brighton getting something here. The value in this match, uh, from an infield perspective, is just to look at under three point five goals. Go for like a two 0 or three 0 comfortable Manchester City win. Uh, we have. 57% chance of the under three and a half. Uh, I think bookmakers are around 52%. So there's some value in that. But other than that, it, yeah, it's just a home win. Yeah, as you said, those kind of the 1x2 numbers are, I mean, they're quite ridiculous. Manchester City given 89% chance by Pinnacle. Brighton just a 3% chance of winning the game. And that's really, I think it's more comparable to kind of an FA Cup tie between Premier League and League Two rather than two actual Premier League teams. So next up, we've got uh, the battle at the bottom, Newcastle versus Watford. I mean, we are only three games into the Premier League season, but I think certainly for Watford, things aren't looking great. Three games, three losses. Didn't do very well against West Ham this weekend. And, and Newcastle, I mean, they obviously got that great win at, at Tottenham, but still warning signs are there for Steve Bruce's side. So... Watford are obviously on the road for this one. So do you think they can muster those first points of the season? Uh, there's every chance. Yeah, there's every chance. Uh, one thing we know about Watford is that although they, they are susceptible defensively to conceding good chances, they do usually create. They've got some really good, talented players in there. Andre Gray, Troy Deeney, Gerard uh, Delefeu, Pereira, Will Hughes. They, they, they're going to create chances and that, we expect that to be the same. Uh, the, the case in this match at St. James's. Newcastle, on the face of it, were extremely fortunate to beat Tottenham. 
it's a great victory, another shock win. Obviously, we had the Palace win at Manchester United and then this one. Uh, but credit to credit where credit's due, they did limit Tottenham to uh, very few chances in that game. 1.24 expected goals and just one big chance. So they deserve a lot of credit for that. Obviously, it was a score first and sit back and defend sort of job, which Steve Bruce and his team absolutely nailed. Uh, this game, we expect to be something completely different. We're expecting goals in this one, an entertaining game between uh, between two sides looking to kick on, really. Both teams to score were given a 54% chance, which is uh, equates to a small amount of value uh, compared to the market. But yeah, we're, we're, seeing, we're seeing goals in this one. Right, so we'll move straight on to West Ham versus Norwich. And this is another match where there's there's a lot of similarities to be drawn drawn between the two sides. Neither of them really have any issues when it comes to their attacking process, but there are there's got to be real concerns on the the def- defensive side of things for both teams. West Ham obviously got their their first winner of the season against what we just said is a, a relatively poor Watford side, while Norwich gave Chelsea a real good go. And it, again, we did kind of show that the underlying numbers, it, the scoreline probably flattered Norwich, but they're still creating those chances. Now, I'm sure most people are probably looking at this one and thinking it's a guaranteed goal fest, but, but what do the info goal numbers suggest? Yeah, we, we, we agree. Goal fest. Two, two good attacking sides. Obviously, West Ham got their season up and running uh, in quite emphatic fashion, actually, at Watford, uh, racking up 3.9 expected goals, which is uh, a league high so far this season. Obviously, Sebastian Allaire got off the mark. He got a couple of goals. There, there are question marks still over the defensive process, conceding 2.3 expected goals against to Watford, uh, and averaging 2.6 per game this season, which is um, which is very high. So they need to tighten up. Norwich pretty much uh, the same, really. Continue to concede good chances. Whenever you've got Timo Pukki, yeah, you've got a chance of scoring. I've no doubts that he'll um, he'll cause West Ham's defence all sorts of problems yet again with his movement. Um, and again, he might be a good shout for an anytime score race. He's around seven to five, I think. Uh, 2.4, which could prove a, a good bet again. Obviously, last week, I think he was about 2.7. Uh, and he managed to notch, I think, was it five goals in three games for him? Definitely a player to keep an eye on. He's still running a little bit hot, but it looks as though he's getting he's giving himself chances in every game. Uh, the infogol model in this one is siding with West Ham. We think there's a small amount of value in backing uh, the Hammers to get the victory here. They're attacking a trio of what would probably be Haller, Yarmolenko, Felipe Anderson with Lanzini in behind. They're expected to be a little bit too strong for Norwich's defence. Um, and we're fancying a West Ham win. Yeah, nice of you to, to kind of shout out Timo Puki there again. Another goal at the weekend. And as you said, maybe an, an anytime goal scorer shout. I'm, I'm not too sure about these claims of, of golden boot that have been flying around recently. Yeah, that could be a little bit of a stretch. So then we've got Burnley versus Liverpool. And I feel like kind of every year people suggest that, that Burnley's time in the Premier League could be up. And that looked more likely than ever last season when they really struggled. But they, they did turn things around and they haven't really looked back since. They they got a good 1-1 draw away at Wolves after another solid performance. And they're obviously set up to be very difficult to beat. And in Ashley Barnes, it seems like they've got someone that's going to gonna put away their chances their opponents are, are Liverpool, who've obviously won every game so far. They they dominated Arsenal as many expected, but I guess the concern, and probably repeating myself myself from last week, is that it's another game, another goal conceded, and a a few more shaky moments from Adrian. 
do you think Liverpool Liverpool will make it four wins from four, or or is there any chance of Burnley causing an upset? Uh, the Infocom model does think that Liverpool will make it four wins from four. Yeah. Um, in terms of value, though, there is no value in the one x two market. Infocom goes sixty two percent chance of, of a Liverpool win, so we're respecting Burnley a lot more uh, than the bookmakers are. Purely based on the fact, like you said, from Christmas last year, their, their underlying numbers have been sensational, really. The turnaround Sean Dyche has, uh, has overseen there um, has been fantastic. It continued again last week against Wolves. They were they were actually unfortunate, I would say. Obviously, the penalty, it, it's a stonewall penalty, but before the 97th minute, the expected goal total were 1.5 to 0.87, so it would have been a deserved 1-0 win. Uh, and they really limited Wolves to, I think, no big chances, just the penalty, so... Another good performance following on from what we saw against Arsenal. Obviously, we spoke last week that Burnley were extremely unfortunate not to get something from that game. Um, they are a side now that are entertaining to watch. They score plenty of goals, averaging 1.5 expected goals for per game. So they will definitely be able to cause problems for this, what is looking like a, a vulnerable Liverpool defence to conceding goals left and right at the minute. Um, Obviously, Adrian, you've mentioned, is a is a huge downgrade on Alisson, and that's proven to be the case. Uh, Matip and Van Dijk were solid for the majority of the game last week against Arsenal, but Arsenal still managed to find a, find enough to get a goal. So that's a little bit worrying. Um, Liverpool going forward, though, they're you know they're, they're sensational. The front three that they've got create chances out of nothing. Mo Salah's goal, prime example, has picked up on the halfway line, beat David Luiz, and before you know it, he's got a a 40% chance of scoring. So um, we're expecting goals in this one. The value play is, is both teams to score. We're going 55% chance uh, of both teams hitting the net compared to about 50% from uh, available on the market. So um, we think it's another, go- another game which Liverpool win, but probably one uh, which they concede again. Right, so we'll move on to Everton versus Wolves. Now, many would have been expecting this to be a, a battle of the two top six contenders. But I mean, if truth be told... Both sides have been a little bit disappointing so far this season. Everton, are, you can't really, they don't have any excuses. They've managed four points, which obviously looks good, but it's from two poor performances against Crystal Palace and Watford, and they they didn't really look anything like an elite side when they played against Aston Villa. And Wolves, on the other hand, they've, they've had do, two very difficult opening fixtures. Um, they've had that run of, of Europa League qualification to go on as well, so the the three draws won't necessarily be too bad for them, but you you really feel like their their Premier League season's going to have to pick up soon. So, what are the info goal numbers saying for this one? Yeah, you're dead right. The two teams that are in the commas top six contenders, Wolves were the fifth best team on XG last season. Everton were eighth. So, the two sides that we'll be looking to kick on really, and um, and we haven't seen enough from both, either of them just yet. Everton, unfortunate to lose to Villa last week, as we've already said, but before that, they were extremely poor um, against Crystal Palace and uh, and Watford, creating few chances, but also conceding few, which uh, which is, I guess, you can take as a positive. You know, conceded just uh, 2.6 expected goals so far this season. One of the best defences in the league. So they can take some positives out of that. Um, and they're going to need to be at the very best to keep this Wolves side at bay. Um, as you've already said, Wolves, their Premier League season hasn't yet got going. It almost seems as though they're focusing more on qualifying for the Europa League group stages than, than some of these Premier League games, um, which is totally understandable um, given uh, their aspirations and what they're wanting to achieve. 
last week against Burnley ended in a fair 1-1 draw but that was a game that they would have highlighted as uh, as one to win especially after Leicester away in Manchester United at home they have got another game in midweek Wolves have at home to Torino that could well take more out of them again ahead of this game so it's really tough one to call between two quite closely matched sides I would suggest uh, the Infocom model is suggesting that the value play is to back both teams to score no, uh, purely based on, uh, on on the fact that Wolves will probably be a little bit drained and tired um, and will try and keep things a little bit cagey. Um, and Everton have been quite solid defensively so far. So I wouldn't be surprised to see this as a as a goalless draw, perhaps, uh, or one nil either way. I don't think there'll be too many goals in this one. Yeah, it feels like home field advantage could maybe help Everton out if they were to edge it, but it's, it's certainly going to be a close one. And as you rightly said, the, the market's on board with that that low-scoring potential. The, the over-under is just 2 and 2.5, and the under is the one that's taken the action already. So we've now got Arsenal versus Tottenham, the North London derby. It, it stands out as the highlight fixture of the weekend. Both teams have, have had a mixed bag from their first three games results-wise. I think performances, you could probably say the same. Arsenal haven't looked overly impressive in their opening fixtures despite kind of getting some points on the board. And, and Tottenham are obviously coming off the back of a, a very disappointing home defeat to Newcastle. The Historically, the fixture has been fairly evenly split in recent years. So we've got, I think it's around three wins each for both. And there's six draws in the last nine Premier League fixtures. So do you think this is going to be another close one or, or does either side stand out as a potential value bet? Yeah, this is going to be another close one uh, for sure. In the 1x2 market, we're 39% Arsenal, 35% Tottenham, so pretty much in line with what, what's available. There's two teams that are, like you said, really, really been disappointing at times at the start of the season. Obviously, we've mentioned already Arsenal against Newcastle, they didn't really blow them away. They certainly got the win. And then against Burnley, they were very fortunate to get the three points. And last week against Liverpool, we just saw pretty much what we've seen from Arsenal for the last five, six years. They just defensively, just inept. They, I don't know what David Luiz is doing for either of the, the two goals in the second half. Um, they brought him in to, to be a leader in centre-half and uh, in the central of defence. He just, <laughs> he's just doing what David Luiz does best. Conceding to 2.7 expected goals against Liverpool, it's almost to be expected as the goals between Arsenal and Liverpool. Um, but again, they, didn't, they really struggled to create the chances, just the 1.2, which now means that they've only managed uh, 3.4 expected goals in three matches, which is still really poor for a, for a side that boasts so much attacking talent. Um, and as for Tottenham, obviously we spoke a lot about the, the Man City game last week and the fact that they, they managed just 0.12 expected goals um, and then they went and played Newcastle and managed just the 1.24, which is, yeah, a below-par effort for another team that possess a lot of attacking talent. There's rumblings of a lot of uh, a lot of people unhappy or unsettled behind the behind the scenes at Tottenham. People like uh, Jan Bertongen and Christian Eriksen that haven't been as involved as much as perhaps supporters and maybe Pochettino himself would like them to be so far this season. So. It'd be interesting to see if they come back into the fold. They have looked very... Both sides look really vulnerable defensively, but have have sort of... The underlying numbers suggest that they've been really blunt in attack, which is very surprising, uh, given what, what they both have at their disposal. So the Infocore model is actually saying that the value play in this game is to go under 2.5 goals, which will be a surprise to many. 
we're going 48% chance of the under 2.5 um, compared to around 44% available um, on the market. As I said, that's probably a surprise to many, but it wouldn't be a surprise to see this be a 1-1 draw. Really close match, few chances at either end, just almost a midfield battle. Two teams cancelling each other out uh, and watch what will be a, a feisty North London derby. Well, there we go. There's our there's our ten Premier League fixtures for the weekend. Some some great condensed key takeaways, Jake, as always. So so thanks for coming on and, and sharing the info goal insights. Anytime, thank you. If you want more information on info goal or you want to look back at the numbers in more detail, you can visit infogold.net, follow at infogoal app on Twitter, and download the app on iPhone and Android. You can take a look at all the latest Premier League odds on pinnacle.com. Best of luck with your bets and as always, please gamble responsibly.